Hello again, everybody, moms and dads, boys and girls. Welcome to The Chatter. I'm Tom Oglesby, and this is episode, do you believe it, Colleen, episode 47. We are recording on Monday, June 13th, which is the feast day of one of our uh, great guys, St. Anthony of Padua. And we begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, our most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, Despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. St. Anthony of Padua. Pray for us. Colleen, we got a, a full house here. Mark's back with us. I know. Welcome back, Mark. <laughs> Thank you. From the uh, yeah. south of Minnesota? or <laughs> yeah. No. Missouri, no. Missouri. Oh, you know. yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah, we had family in and stuff. In fact, they're coming in next weekend again, so. You'll, you'll, uh, be, you'll be cooked yeah, out again. Yeah, exactly. But it's hotter in St. Louis than yeah. it is uh, in Dubuque. Yeah, no kidding. Let's introduce our guests from Michigan, Bob Wilson and St. Paul Street Evangelization. Bob, good to have you on the show. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. My pleasure to be here. Let's give us a 30-second uh, bio on, uh, on you and your family and what you do with St. Paul Street Evangelization, Bob. Sure. I'm a, uh, a cradle Catholic. I grew up, received all my sacraments. We went to Mass on Sundays. I was even an altar boy. But I never really understood what was going on at Mass. And, you know, I kind of just didn't really like going. And as soon as my mom quit making me go and when I was a teenager, I quit going because I didn't get anything out of it. And then... I don't know, about 15 years ago, I kind of had a midlife crisis. I had this big fear about not existing after I died. Oh. So it left me in a state of despair almost, and I just needed to, to know if God was there and he cared about me and there was life after death. And so I went on this quest for the truth. And bottom line is he wasn't lying. Jesus wasn't lying when he said, knock and the door will be opened and ask and, and uh, it'll be given. So, and so ever you were... since then, I've been... Go ahead. You've been, you've been knocking and asking, is that the idea? Ever since, yeah, and ever since uh, he answered and showed me the truth, I've been wanting to share it with everybody. I started out on Facebook, you know, being like uh, getting in debates and all the kind of things, and then um, in 2002, I guess, I saw an ad on Facebook about St. Paul Street Evangelization, and actually it was in 2012. And so I went to this event, I started sharing my faith, and... I've been hooked ever since. God totally blessed the, the occasion. And it filled me with all kind of peace and grace. And uh, and so now you've, uh, is the title director, Bob? Is that the idea? Yeah, I'm, I joined the staff in 2019 as a director. Yes, sir. So we try to promote St. Paul Street Evangelization here, Colleen. We do, uh, well, Team Aquinas is the chapter for St. Paul Street Evangelization here in Northeast Iowa, Mark, we do uh, rosary rallies. I think, in fact, I think we're uh, booked out for 10 or 12 months here with rosary rallies right. coming mm -hmm. up here. Mm -hmm. yeah. But uh, so we're working hard, but I'm not sure we've cracked that nut here, Bob. Tell, tell the listeners, what's the, uh, the core competencies of St. Paul Street Evangelization? 
core topic. What do you mean by core? Well, what what's what are what do you stand for? What do you do? What are you trying to accomplish? I see. We work with God um, to save souls by getting out in the public square and proclaiming the gospel. We do it through one-on-one conversations. You know, we don't preach to crowds or anything like that. We have one-on-one conversations. Our method is to listen, befriend, proclaim, invite. Basically, to figure out where someone is in their walk, mm-hmm. their faith walk, and encourage them to take the next step. And we use miraculous prayers, we use rosaries, we use pamphlets, and a heavy reliance on prayer and the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. One of the things that I like about what you just said, Bob, was about you know you don't stand on a corner and preach to crowds because I'm sure many of us have that experience and idea of street evangelization. I know I went to school in Iowa City at the University of Iowa, and we would see guys usually out in the lawn um, preaching and calling down the wrath of God and things like that. And I think it turns off a lot of a lot of people, Catholics, of course, sure. too, but Catholics are not known for their evangelization. And we've got the truth. We should be the ones out there evangelizing. So I was glad to hear that you are like, do one on one, listen and pray. That's great. Yeah, you see a lot of those evangelists who are not um, interested in doing a lot of listening. They point their fingers, they got their Bibles, and, you know, their tone isn't friendly, let's say. And, yeah, and so it's like, hey, everybody, listen to, listen to me, look at me, this is what I want to say. I really don't care what you have to say. And a lot of people just, you know, I'm not saying it never works, but in our experience, it's like, I don't think it works that much. Yeah, it is well, more of a turn-off than anything else. I think one of our... The, the best event that I was at was at the farmer's market about, what, two or three years ago? Probably uh, three years ago yeah, now. right. When we had Father uh, Dick from East Dubuque down there. Um, oh, Father Smith. Father Smith. Father Smith. Yeah, Father yeah. Smith. And I'll tell you what, it was, it was a wonderful day. I mean, there were so many people going to him, going to confession, grabbing the bags, grabbing the books that we had available. I, you know, it was, it was a great day. I'll tell you what, it's, you know, I'd like to do that again. But now, so my understanding is you don't have to be a priest. I mean, it's great that a priest was there because especially if they're wearing a cassock or their collar, people know, at least around here, oh, that's a priest. If I I had wanted to talk to somebody, but what you do, Bob, is you train lay people. Is that right? Yeah, totally. Um, that's the problem. I think a lot of us think, hey, evangelization is for the priest, it's for the deacon, it's for the religious folk, um, you know, brothers and sisters who have given their life to, you know, joining uh, an order, let's say. Mm-hmm. And and the problem is, you know, today priests are spread thin. You know, they, they have a job administrating, they have so much on their plate. And, you know, each Catholic, it's up to us. You know, Jesus said, hey, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He was speaking to every one of us. Well, and kind of, too, for priests, their arena, so to speak, is inside the church in a sense. The sacraments, the liturgy, it's us lay people who go into the world, and we are to bring Christ into the workplace, into into the street, so to speak. Exactly. Uh, Catechism 905 says that uh, lay people fulfill this mission as well. And like you said, you know, I, work at, I used to work at UPS. Priests start going into UPS, right? And they can't talk to my coworkers. A lot of people will never see a priest. Right. And so, yeah, it's totally up to us. It's totally up to us. 
Well, that was why one of the things that I loved about Father Jim Parker. Yeah. He took us out into the streets and yeah. he said, let's shut the sin down in East Dubuque. And he did it with all of us following behind him, saying the prayers to shut it down. And they did. That's and, right. So and, Bob may not know, but um, East Dubuque is Illinois is right across the river from Dubuque. And it's been known as Sin City forever because it has had a lot of strip joints. The bar stayed open later, et cetera. There was a pastor in East Dubuque who decided we're getting rid of those strip joints. So he led Eucharistic processions right through the downtown and a lots of prayers. And and it encouraged the lay people then to jump in behind him. You do you did feel like you had a leader and you were more than willing to join forces. But but what you do is uh, train people. And um, so what might be a typical experience of um of give us a typical typical example of how that would work for you guys sure and we love farmers markets too we, our team we talk for the farmers markets called eastern market here in detroit we set up a little table and we put out our pamphlets our rosaries our miraculous medals we actually put them on chains for people so they can wear them right away and we have holy cards that tell the story you know saint maximilian, saint maximilian colby he called the, the miraculous medal a silver bullet for conversion. Mm. And so we get our medals and rosaries left, and so we're bringing grace into the encounter. And so you give people these things, and it can ignite faith. Like a priest blessing, blesses them. And so people will be walking by, you know, they're not too busy, they're going to the market, it's not like they're in a rush to, to go to a concert or anything. And we just say, hey, would you like a free rosary? Would you like uh, a miraculous battle for free? And we're like, what? For free? And we're like, yeah, it's free. And so when they accept, you tell them a little bit about it. Say, so, yeah, the rosary is a very powerful meditation on the life of Christ. Are you a Christian? See, when you give them that, you ask them a question, it's totally natural to talk about the faith, right? It's not some difficult thing that you're you're bringing in that's new, right? So, and then they'll, they'll tell you, oh, I don't know, uh, yeah, I'm a Christian, or no, I'm, I'm not a Christian. Mm-hmm. So it depends on what they see, where we go from there. So in a way, you kind of have some scripted uh, things to say, so you're not just left hanging, not knowing what to say, but then your responses, of course, depend upon their answers. Exactly. And we pray beforehand to the Holy Spirit. We give him permission to take over the conversation. We ask him to make us receptive to what he wants us to say. And then we pray that he moves in the heart of the people we hear. So we'll meet someone, they'll say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm Christian. And then we'll be like, what church do you go to? And then if they say something that doesn't sound like a Catholic church, we'll be like, oh, well, have you ever considered the Catholic church? And then they'll be like, um, yes, no, whatever. But then we can say something like, well, can I give you one good reason why I'm Catholic? And then we just take up another conversation from that. Well, that, that would be my next question is, Bob, how do you direct them then from your initial conversation into fulfilling, you know, the, the walk with Christ? How, you know, how do you, how do you say, okay, maybe you need to go, or would you like to go to a Catholic church? Or w- what's the conversation from there to lead them in the right direction? Yeah, it's important first to give them a good, a really good reason to consider the Catholic church. And we say, there's thousands of Christian churches out there that are like more than fast food joints. How do you know which one to go to, right? Hmm. And so we give them a little history lesson. They say, the only Catholic church in town for the first 1500, the only church in town for the first 1500 years is the Catholic church. 
And then we call him Martin Luther, started a, a church, he broke away, he took some books out of the Bible, and came up with some new doctrines. And the problem with that is we started splitting ever since. And so now we have all these churches, and they all teach different things, and things that are very important, like how are we saved, and uh, can we lose our salvation? And so God doesn't want this confusion. And so we tell him to think about the Catholic Church, because he promised that the gates of hell would not prevail against it, and that, that means it's prevented by the Holy Spirit from teaching that at all. And that usually, that usually strikes something within them. You're listening to The Chatter. This is episode 47, The Chatter podcast here. We're recording on Monday, June 13th, and you're hearing uh, a new voice, maybe a, maybe a regular voice, Colleen. This is Bob Wilson from St. Paul Street Evangelization. Bob lives outside of uh, Detroit, and he's the director of evangelization. Mark Hager's in the uh, house with us here today. Bob, we talked last week. And you had an interesting uh, statement. You said, our world is dying. There's violence, division, sexual immorality, tyranny. I, I, I wrote this down, tyranny and, and uh, uh, corruption here. Talk more about that and how it relates to St. Paul Street Evangelization, please. Yeah, you know, I can't believe how far we've fallen. so quick a time. Now that we've got this transgenderism stuff, we have... You know, you, you, people can't identify, they can't define things like woman or man. And there's these, this spectrum of uh, an endless amount of different genders. I don't know, it's just, it's so, we descended quickly, let's say. And it's a, it's a symptom of a problem. And the problem is that we've either turned our back on Jesus, but I think more prevalent is we never knew him to begin with. We live in basically a post. Christian world now, and so we've got to, you know, we got the Catholic churches are speaking back. We've seen the Mormons out there, the Jehovah's Witnesses, Protestants, we've seen Muslims out there evangelizing, especially here in the Detroit area, but we have the fullness of truth, and we aren't out there, so it's like, there's a big disconnect. And so we need to wake up, we need to wake up, and not only are, if we go out and evangelize, are we saving the people that we encounter, we're saving our own souls. You know, because becoming a child of God, guess what? We have responsibilities now. We can forfeit our salvation. We can forfeit our gift if we just sit on it. Think of the parable of the talent in Matthew 25. What happened to the, the person that received so much and did nothing with it? And so we have to take this as a wake-up call. We need to get serious about um, our own lives and what we're called to do. We can't be afraid of what the culture's going to say and, and maybe they're going to they're gonna give us a hard time and maybe we might lose our job. I mean, these are big things, no doubt, but we have to speak out. We have to save our souls. Nothing more important than our souls. Well, you're right, and I think one of the issues today, too, is people are just afraid to speak out about anything, you know, much less about God or Jesus or the Catholic Church. I mean, they're afraid to say that men can't get pregnant. I mean, people are just I, I afraid. It's true, it's true. And when we, we don't speak up, that vacuum is getting filled with something, and it's getting filled with nonsense, demonic nonsense. So what you're saying, Bob, is the soul you save may be your own. Yeah, paragraph 18, 16 of the Catechism seems to indicate that sharing your faith is necessary for salvation, for sure. You know, there used to be this universal call to holiness, mm -hmm. but within that, within that call to holiness, is we have to share Jesus. You know, we just have to do it. 
Um, you know, think about the scientist who, who discovers, imagine a scientist who discovered the ship of cancer. Hmm. Imagine the scientist who didn't share his discovery, right? What would we say about this guy? He just kept it to himself, maybe shared it with someone in his family who got cancer. We'd say this guy is a bad man. Think of all the people that he allowed to die when he had the cure. And he knew it. And all he had to do was to share it with people. Well, that's a good analogy. Cancer, that's a great analogy. Yeah, having a cure of cancer is nothing yeah. compared to what we Christians have. You know, the scientists may have had the cure to a deadly disease, but we got the cure to eternal death. And that, that treasure is infinitely more valuable than the cure for cancer, because guess what? None of us are getting out of here alive. <laughs> well, thanks for the encouragement on that, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Our guest is Bob Wilson with St. Paul Street Evangelization on the Chatter, episode uh, 47. Bob, we're coming up against the break. Can we, uh, can we get you to hang on uh, through the break and uh, join us in segment two, please? For sure. All right, all right. We will be uh, right back with Bob Wilson, St. Paul Street Evangelization, Mark Hager from the University of Mars, and, uh, and Colleen Posnick here on the chat. You're listening to the Chatter Podcast. And uh, you might be listening on FM 98.3 KCRD. We're talking all things street evangelization. Mark Hager's in the house. Hello, everyone. Well, you look awfully relaxed. Hello, re- everyone. You look awfully just, relaxed just, today. I, you know yeah. what? I, I am. You Did know, you take a muscle relaxant before the show or well, something? Well, you know what? It, it could have been one of those, <laughs> you know, and stuff. It's just, it's actually, we started making statues again. Oh, so, praise so God. I, yeah. So, well, good, because yeah. I've got guys from... Lancaster, <laughs> Boscobel, yeah, yeah. Cascade. They're so, all looking yeah. for uh, so, the Blessed Virgin Mary yeah, Sanchez. Yeah. So we started making those again, finally. And uh, we're 10 behind right now. So oh, good. Um, and then I, so I moved the two today. We moved the two up to St. Anthony's to start redoing them. And as I'm in there puttying them, the guys come over and go like, oh, it's it's nice that uh, you're nice and dry today, but you won't be tomorrow. And I said, "What are you talking about?" They said, "We're tearing the roof off of this place tomorrow, <laughs> and so cover up everything." And I'm going like, "Oh, that's nice," but you know, so it's it's been a challenging year to say the least, you know. So, Colleen, so, I'm outside of Mass yesterday. Here, I had two old women coming up to me. Love the chatter, Tom. Love the chatter. Oh, thanks so much. We really like it when you give Mark a hard time. (laughs) (laughs) So we have a fan club of sorts, Mark. Exactly, I know. Yeah, exactly. Funny. Bob Wilson's with us on the phone from outside of uh, Detroit. This is Monday, the uh, 13th of of, um, June. June, is it as hot and sticky up there today as uh, it is over this way, Bob? Uh, Right now it's about 80. It's pretty hot. Wait till tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Coming yeah, your I'll way. be staying inside tomorrow. Yeah. Colleen, you wanted to ask Bob about some of the uh, great success stories. Yeah, I'd like to hear about some um, s- some stories where either people were afraid to do this evangelization, but then w- the kind of response that they got, or or people that were just walking down the street and someone from St. Paul Evangelization reached out to them and it rekindled their faith. Do you have any stories to tell us? Yeah, we have both of those stories. Yeah. You know, as a director, I'm always trying to enlist people to, to go evangelize, to, you know, and, and try to impress upon them that it's 
it's an obligation. It's a serious obligation. And so, and they're always like, you know, I don't feel like I have that charism. I don't, uh, that's not for me. You know, I don't have that special gift. Mm-hmm. And we talk about the gifts, and I'll be like, well, if you don't have the uh, charism for hospitality, does that mean you don't have to be hospitable? <laughs> or if you don't have the, the, the charism for prayer, does that mean you don't have to pray? Mm-hmm. And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, think about it. You know, think about it. The only gifts you really need are baptism and confirmation. So once I press upon them, they'll be like, okay, you know what, I'll show up. But I'm just going to sit in the background. I don't want to talk to anybody. I'll come pray, I'll intercede, and that's it. I'm like, that's fine. That's, that's a great thing. Please do. Wouldn't you know it, they come out there, they just, they just think they're going to sit in the background, they jump up out of their chair, next thing you know, they're having a great conversation. It happens so often you wouldn't believe it. So that happens all the time. As far as and- people that... Um, have been converted by running into us. It happens a lot. We have this great team in Ohio, uh, David and Marcus. What they like to do is they have a gospel message card where they say, hey, do you mind if I share the, the story of Jesus with you? And they will read through our, our gospel message, also known as the Kerygma. Mm-hmm. And then once they read through it, then they'll ask them, so if you believe this, let's now pray this prayer of consecration. And then they say that prayer, and what that does is brings two supernatural things into a conversation. First, the gospel message, very powerful, the supernatural thing whenever you proclaim it, and then prayer. And then people have been converted, and they have joined the church. We just went down there and just did an interview with them just to tell their story about how they're now Catholic, and they feel so much better about themselves. Bob, what's, he touched on a consecration prayer, Colleen, and we talked about consecration last week because we're doing... St. Is it St. Louis? St. Louis de Montfort. What, tell us about your uh, consecration prayer, Bob, that you just uh, made reference to. Yeah, we just acknowledge it's a prayer that we have in our store. It's on a card. We just, we just thank God for all the blessings. We acknowledge everything that he's done for us. We acknowledge that we're sinners, and we just pray to give our lives over to him in the very moment. Right there, it's a very powerful thing. Mm-hmm. And of course, then we have to lead them to the sacraments of initiation, which are, are what ultimately save. But yeah, that that one prayer, to pray out there on the street, is very powerful. Sacraments of initiation, baptism, Eucharist, and and uh, confirmation. Very, That's right. Very good. I'm wondering about um, since we're in full swing here, and um, Mark's promised he's going to fire his grill up. A lot of Father's Day's, uh, well, this will air on Father's Day, won't it, Colleen, here? We're coming oh, up yeah. on Father's yeah. Day yeah. weekend. Yeah. There'll be a lot of bar- uh, barbecues going on. Have you, uh, what's your sense of street evangelization uh, on patios and, and driveways and barbecues and cocktail parties during the summer, Bob? Yeah, it's tricky. You know, it's tricky. You know, you don't want to sneak up. It's nice to have a bottle of wine. Maybe get a little later in the day. And you just start talking about the big things in life, you know. I'm for it. You know, I like those meaningful conversations. Uh, maybe not so much politics, but definitely there's a way to bring Jesus into a conversation without being judgmental. And it's an art, you know. You just have to listen to the Holy Spirit and follow his inspiration. And, you know, that's a good question, Tom, because I think more of us, of course, are going to be in those situations than we are standing on a street corner asking people if they want a miraculous medal. Notice that Bob said, bring a bottle of Chianti with he you. He did yeah. say that. I noticed he said that. I was thinking more of Riesling or a <laughs> or something. Whatever Mark is drinking. Must, must be hot up there. Yeah. Up there. Bob, here's another uh, 
part of that conversation we had the other day uh, just uh, just tattooed across my forehead. The Catholic Church is a giant that need uh, the sleeping giant that needs to wake up. What say That's you? True. you know, yeah, I used to think, okay, I need to step up my life. What I need to do to be a better Catholic, I need to go to mass. I need to go to confession, and boom, I'm a, I'm a better Catholic. Now that's not it. When we get when we get to heaven and we get judged, it's going to be about our works of mercy. What have we done to help? What's the tangible thing we did to help our neighbors? And at the top of the list of works of mercy, I think is evangelization. You know, because listen, if I take a sandwich and feed someone, that's great. But if that person ends up going to hell, and it didn't matter too much, did it? Well, and you make a good point. It seems like the only work of mercy that we hear about is feeding the hungry. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole lot more <laughs> than that one. Yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. A whole it's lot it's more. very important. Like admonishing the sinner, that's a lost art. It's still a work of mercy, right? Yeah. Right. And we tend to hear about the corporal works of mercy, which means, of course, works of mercy that have to do with the body, corporal body. Um, and so feeding the hungry and giving drink to the thirsty and clothing the naked and visiting the imprisoned, those types of things. But we all know the body's going to wear out. And so in, uh, in the, the truth is that our soul is more important than our body. So you could argue that the spiritual works of mercy are more important. And that's what you're talking about is evangelization, salvation of souls, um, leading people to Christ. Exactly. And when you do, you can do those corporate uh, works. And while you're doing them, talk about Jesus. So it's like the best of both worlds. Bob, how do you walk that fine line between uh, the uh, society, it seems, everywhere, don't judge me, don't be judgmental? Uh, And I think, uh, Colleen, you and I have talked offline here. There's a difference between uh, judging and condemning here. Uh, Bob, what what do you... uh, how do you equip yourselves for those conversations? Well, I can tell people, I say, listen, I know I'm going to catch grief for talking about these sins. I know it's going to happen. I'm, I'm, going to get, I'm going to be like the villain. I understand that. But I care about you too much to not tell you the truth about what's going on. These things hurt you. That's why they're bad. I'm not repulsed by you. I want what's best for you. And so I have to tell you, God designed you in a special way, and the things that you're doing are hurting you. I don't want to see you get hurt. So when you preface it like that, I think they can appreciate it. Bob, our guest uh, host here, uh, Mark Hager, and I are uh, members of, I would say, a above-average Knights of Columbus Council here, 15813. Did I get the number right on that, yep, Mark? Yep. Um, there's a fair amount of street evangelization going on in that group. And, uh, yeah, we had an interesting weekend. I'll probably talk to you more about this off the record. But uh, it was interesting. We had a group of guys standing around. And uh, anyhow, we started talking about things. Mm-hmm. Faith, was, evangelization. Yeah, yeah, there was like six or seven of us in this group. And uh, by the time I got done talking... Mm-hmm. There was one guy left, and I thought, all I could think about was Jesus yeah. talking about sin, and all the guys kind of just wandered off, mm-hmm. and I thought, you know what? 
And the one guy that was left, he says, boy, you just nailed it. He said, they don't want to hear this, you know. And I thought to myself, this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to talk about sin and what's going on in the world right now. And and how do you bring your families back in and, and stuff? And it was just, it was an interesting weekend, to say the least. So, Bob Wilson, what's yeah. your uh, advice, your counsel for an approach when you've got uh, a group of guys? This goes back to the barbecue and the patio here. Uh, can go deeper on that, uh, given Mark's uh, witness of, of a recent conversation, please. Well, good for you, Mark. It's important. It's, it's not easy. We know. We know what's going to happen. We know people are going to scoff. You know, when guys get together, they're going to be like, try to be cool or whatever. But I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they went home and thought about what you had to say. But we get around each other and we try and be tough and cool. But I'm sure those words, you know, the Holy Spirit, we pray for them as they go away and we say, Lord, just help my words plant a seed and please cultivate that seed and bring about, um, bring about salvation for these people. And it's just important to do what we do, you know. It's sin, people don't want to hear it, but there's a way to do it. You can do it with your hand around their back instead of a wagging finger. It's all about tone, and they got to know you care, right? Turn your phone off, look at them in the eye, and just have a heart-to-heart. Maybe you want to have a private conversation. you got to let the Holy Spirit, talk to the Holy Spirit and let Him know, ask Him to tell you what you should do. But, yeah, it's always about tone, and you want to keep it friendly, and you want to keep it light. Sometimes you want to challenge you know, that's why it's so important. You don't know what to do. That's yeah, and, and, God inspire you. And, and that was the thing that I tried to do is, is keep it. I, I wasn't, you know, again, like you said, I wasn't wagging fingers. I wasn't, you know, I'm better than you. I, it was none of that, you know, whatsoever. And all I can think about is if, if I stand there and say this and people walk away, is that what's going to happen when the priest says it from the pulpit, which we never hear anymore? But I, I kept thinking about that because people people have told me over and over, if the priest talks like you from the pulpit, people are going to walk out of church. And I'm going like, you know what? Then let them walk. You know? If they don't want to hear the truth, then what are we doing? What are, what are we preaching? Right. But after experiencing that, you can kind of understand now why a priest might not want to say those things, right? Because... You do want to save souls, and, and you're probably thinking, well, how can I save souls if they leave? <laughs> so I, I can see how it's a, it's a mixed bag. But on the other hand, if, the, if we'd been hearing that all along, it wouldn't be news to them the first time that they hear it, and they feel like, what's this guy saying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. you gotta, you got to just remember the Beatitudes. Jesus said, blessed are you if people hate you and revile you for what you say in my in the sake for, for my sake, right? And mm. So and Jesus said, say it. If they don't believe it, if they don't want to hear it, take the dust off your feet. But not saying it isn't an option. Do you find, Bob, that um like it's is it more effective for women to talk to women and men to talk to men? I would say yes. I think that's a good practice. I was just thinking about Mark and his conversation with his brother knights, you know, just wondered if it's more effective, you know, for a woman to talk to a woman. I think it is. Yeah, not to say it, it's never worked sometimes. Sure. You know, it depends on the person. If they might appreciate, they might be more respectful. If, if a guy's talking to a woman, they just might be more respectful out of habit. And so, you know, so I won't say it should always be that way, but I think with spir- just like spiritual direction, you want to put the men with the men and the women with the women. 
mm-hmm. possible. But not to say that it can't work both ways. Well, sure. And if you're on a street corner and someone walks by, you're not going to pass up an opportunity to give somebody a rosier or a miraculous medal just because they're the opposite sex, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I used, to, I used to, when I was out there on the street in my early days, I used to judge people. I'm like, oh, look at this guy. Uh, I'm going to let him go because I'm sure <laughs> he's not going to be interested when I have to say. He's got a tattoo, for crying out loud. So I'm just going to let him go. It turns out the person behind me engaged the guy and had the most productive conversation of the day. So we have to keep in mind that every person God ever created, he designed them to be receptive to the gospel message. Bob, here's a thought while you're talking about uh, street corners and and, uh, backyard patios and grills. Uh, Here's here's another thing, and this spurred Colleen from some of the uh, conversations that we've had with listeners. Bob, do you ever find yourself uh, where you're uh, evangelizing the clergy? Evangelizing the clergy? Uh, You ever get a deacon or a priest that needs a a boost? Mm. Or a bat? I have never done that. (laughs) I've never done that, to be honest. I'm sure 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 they need it too sometimes, a good talking to, huh? And and what does that look like when you are uh, out on the streets, uh, mostly with laities? Do you uh, do you ever team up with some uh, deacons and priests in the uh, in the different chapters? Uh, yeah, we've done that. We went out to like an event called Noel Night in Detroit. It's like in November. It's kind of a Christmas festival kind of thing. Mm. Actually, the first event I ever evangelized at um, was at an event like that, and um, the Lord blessed us with like a sixty degree weather in late November. That it was willing to make a sign from God, like, yeah, you need to be out here. This is what I want you doing. Um, in the years following, we would go out with a priest and we would have this little competition, like, hey, let's see if we can get someone to go to confession right now. And we had a little competition, a little holy rivals competition. And we were able to get some people to say, uh, go to the priest and have confession. And it was great because one confession takes you off the road to hell, puts you on the road to heaven. It's so powerful. So, yeah, absolutely. Utilize that as much as you can. Bob, we're bumping up on the end of uh, segment two here. Uh, this is Bob Wilson with St. Paul Street Evangelization. He's outside of Detroit right now. Bob, uh, before we close out segment two, can you give the uh, listeners uh, some instructions about how they might team up with and, and uh, be a part of St. Paul wherever they're at in the country here while they're listening? Sure, you can go. We have a website, streetevangelization.com. And once you're there, you can, uh, there's a, we have a menu up top and a get involved bar. You can either um, go to our locations page and you can check out where all the, uh, the teams are that we have. We have around 200 teams across the nation and wow. a few outside of the nation. 200. And you can actually, yeah, you can actually contact Tom through his uh, Dubuque, Dubuque, Iowa team as you go down to Iowa. Or, and you can, so you can look all over the map and see if there's a team in your area. And if there's not, you can, you can find, you can start a team of your own, too. So, yeah, just go to streetevangelization.com, click on Get Involved, and either look at our map or click on the Find a Team or Start a Team tab to, to learn more. That's pretty easy. I could do that. Right? <laughs> Bob Wilson, the director of St. Paul Street Evangelization, which is uh, everywhere in uh, the country 200 different street evangelization chapters one of which right here in dubuque 
Team Aquinas. Bob, thanks for being our guest. Everybody, we'll be back with segment three of the chatter right after these messages. listening to the chatter this is episode 47 of the podcast on the feast of saint anthony of padua one of our one of our great guys he's a great guy isn't he everyone prays to him for lost things yes and he was a great preacher he was okay this is kind of gross but it's catholic so his tongue is incorrupt yeah yeah (laughs) Oh, I, I, I know. It's kind of gross, but... Yeah. You should see the look on her face, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> we went to Padua, and when I walked in that church, I just started crying, and I thought, I don't even have a particular devotion, but the Holy Spirit was so powerful. And then, of course, where his tongue was, well, there are a lot of people wanting to look at that, the whole room, right? It, and they weren't moving along, so I, I didn't even get to see it, but... Was it just like a, a see-through box with his tongue in it? You know, I never even got to see it because there were so many people crowded in that room, and they weren't like an an orderly American line. It's Italians; so they were just all in the room gawking, and I never got to see it. But but you know, it's, it's probably uh, a good thing, Colleen. <laughs> You'd have nightmares about it, folks. As you can tell, this is unrehearsed. <laughs> There's no scripting. This is unrehearsed. It's oh. it's uh, live from Dubuque. And if yeah. we have a questionnaire at the end. Yeah. I'm going to ask what part of St. Anthony is incorrupt, so pay attention. <laughs> okay. okay. Bob Wilson from St. Paul Street Evangelization with us here is our guest, Colleen Pasnick's in the uh, in the glass box over here with St. Anthony's tongue, and we got Mark Hager. Mark, you had a question. Yeah, Bob, can you tell us a little bit about the history of the street evangelization, when it started, and then also... Um, are there priests and bishops that ever get involved in coming to your events and things like that throughout the other chapters in the in the United States? Sure, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of Catholics, they think street evangelization, and they think, well, that's not Catholic. Well, au contraire, of course it is. We have a rich history of street evangelization in our tradition. Uh, starting with the Old Testament prophets. Think about Jonah walking through the streets of Nineveh, calling people to conversion. You know, Jonah and other Old Testament prophets, they were street evangelists. Think of John the Baptist, he was a street evangelization. He was in the street evangelization, publicly calling anyone who would listen to repentance and conversion. And then Jesus himself, he was a street evangelist. Those are three really bad examples, as I recall. Jonah got swallowed by a whale. St. John lost his head. And and Jesus, uh, something happened to him, too, here, Bob. I was thinking the same thing, Tom. I look at it like this. If they never did anything, they'd still be gone right now, right? And so the greatest the greatest saints have a higher degree of glory in heaven. Did you know that no one in heaven has the same degree of glory? Tell us more about so that. Yeah, everyone in heaven has a different degree of glory. Our blessed lady is at the very top, and then everyone else, don't get me wrong, everyone in heaven is going to have their cup totally filled. No one's going to be jealous of anyone else. But some people are going to have a stein, and other people are going to have, like, a shot glass. And so if you've given your life over to Jesus and building up the kingdom, you're going to have a higher degree of glory for all eternity. So that's what I want to work on. That's what I want to strive for. That eternal 401k, am I right? Mm-hmm. That's right. 
Mark's over here humming "Roll Out the Barrel." Well, that's what I was going to say. I'd like a keg, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Jesus, he was a student evangelist. You know, he went from town to town to anyone who would listen. Think of the woman at the well, right? And then our Lord, he sent his disciples out two by two in towns and villages. Right? And then after he ascended there in the Acts of the Apostles, St. Paul and the other apostles, they preached in public places to everyone who would listen. In the synagogues, Areopagus, public byways and highways. And even they went door to door, right? Um, and then... After the scriptures, we have uh, great missionary saints like St. Francis of Assisi, St. Dominic, St. Francis Xavier. Great saints, great evangelists, great street evangelists. Mm-hmm. And so the truth is that uh, street evangelization is for Catholics, even though, you know, we've seen the lots of, uh, lately. But, you know, we, we here at SDSC, we feel that God is calling us back to it. Pope John Paul II at World Youth Day in 1993 reminded us of this fact when he said, don't be afraid to go out into the streets and into public places like the first apostles who preached Christ and the good news of salvation in the cities, city squares, I'm sorry, towns and villages. Mm-hmm. It's not the time to be ashamed of the gospel. we got, we got to preach it from the rooftop. Well, you know, that's interesting that you just said that. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. I, you know, when, when you talk to people, it's like, you know, and I, I kind of, you know, I'm not very well-spoken, let's put it that way. But when I talk about it and people walk away, I just go like, I'm sorry. I, I hope I didn't offend them, but I, I just speak right. the truth, you know, from my heart. And, you know, and I don't know. I just, you know, I, I want to do the right thing, but, you know, sometimes the words don't come out right. But, you know, on the other hand, the guy that that stayed with me the mm. other day, and he said, Mark, you spoke the truth, so... If they don't want to hear it, that's fine. So, well, and yeah, God, God could even use people with a speech impediment, right? Don't we think that Moses had a speech impediment, and that's why Aaron spoke for him? Yeah, he exactly. Was, yeah, exactly. It's not. People think it's all it's all about us. It's not. We can't convert a soul. Oh God, God is the one who converts, right? He does the heavy lifting. He just needs us to show up. I don't know how many times I've been out there and I thought I butchered my words. And I was like, oh, man, I fumbled through that. I gave a talk once about it, and I'm like, I was not a public speaker. Uh, I was fumbling my words. I didn't, and I'm like, oh, man, that was terrible. Afterwards, people come up with you, and I was like, and I was so touched. I'm like, were you listening? <laughs> I thought I did so bad, but it's the Holy Spirit. He's working in their heart, and he's the one that's converting people, not us. We don't have to worry about it. Right. We're not going to convert one person. He just needs us to show up. That's the hardest part. People make excuses like if it is supposed to evangelize, they'll be like, oh man, I think I got a pickle in my throat. Or, you know, there's an 8% chance of rain. I'll just go next week. You know, the devil gets in your head, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I was going to say, I think that probably, and I'm just guessing, the first time is the hardest. And I, I say that because. You know, we used to pick it in front of Planned Parenthood, and people were sometimes afraid to do that. And then they go once and they go, oh, that was no big deal. Mm-hmm. So do you find that, um, Bob, that people are reluctant, but once they just do it once, they are like, oh, I can do that? Yeah, the first time is the hardest, no doubt about it, unless you have some special, you know, special gift of divine intervention. I was terrified, and I hear that over and over again. I was terrified. But that's why he doesn't send us out alone. We should be terrified together. And what did Jesus say? He said, two by two. if you don't pick up your cross, 
unless you pick up your cross and follow him, you can't be my disciple. So if you love doing it, it's not much of a sacrifice, right? And we know that love requires sacrifice. So if it's difficult and you do it, that's when you're loving, right? right. I, I like to tell people, you don't need to, to love to evangelize. You need to evangelize to love. You know, um, and I think the first time, you know, like we said, is the hardest. But I think you can help with that because you have a training that people go through, right? You don't just throw them out there. Can you tell us a little bit about what that training is like? Yeah, we have all kinds of different training. Uh, when you sign up for our school, you can take our video courses. And we have, um, uh, we have message boards that you can post on, and we have assignments for you to do, like go out and practice. But you can watch these videos at your own pace. You know, you can take six months to do it if you want. Or you can bring us to your parish for a, a one-day workshop. We also have a school, either um, at a parish or a virtual school that you can take, like a, a regular school year, September, starting in September, running through till April. And we also have like a, a quarterly workshop that you can do in three three hours, right, where you can come here with some talks and then break out of the fabrics and practice the basics of evangelization, things like um, sharing your testimony, sharing the gospel message, praying out loud for folks, and then how to direct and, and uh, uh, start a conversation. So you had mentioned how Christ sent the apostles out two by two. Do you recommend uh, that people that go through the training have another person with them? Uh, I mean, what if there's just one person that wants to go through the training? Can they still do it? Oh, yeah. We have a lot of people uh, who come to the training as just themselves. And then once they learn how to do it, then we encourage them to go out with someone else or bring someone um, to a training next time. But yeah, we, we encourage you to go out and see. We don't want you to be a lone wolf, you know. Jesus said, go out two by two in Mark 6, 7. So you want to model what he did, and it's good for a lot of practical reasons. You know, you have support. Um, the witness of two people is more um, trustworthy than just one person out there on the street. So it's all kind of good reasons to go out two by two. Bob, we got another question for you. you know, over the over the years here, and, and I'm going to say maybe the last five years, have you seen a, a specific age group that seems to be more interested? Is it the younger people? Is it middle age, older? I mean, what do you, what do you see out there? I think the average age of the evangelist is probably around fifty. You know, a lot of people. Uh, we have some young people. We have a lot of forty year olds, a lot of fifty year olds, a lot of retired people like to go out. You know, they're like, I'm done with work. What am I going to give my time to now? It's great for them. I mean. We have a guy named Clarence in Georgia who just he goes probably around 100 outings a year. So, yeah, maybe more maybe more like 200. I think he goes out like three, four times a week. Wow. So, wow. yeah, it's all over the board. You could definitely use some more young people. Um, so we're going to work on that. We, we, need to, we need to get everybody involved. Let me, one more question quick. Is, uh, when you talked about, uh, in, this was mentioned earlier, about seminarians maybe being involved, what about focus groups from colleges and stuff? Do you see many of them coming into this program? Uh, a few. And actually, we're going to go to the seat conference in January. That's going to be in uh, St. Louis, I believe. And that'll be my first seat conference. I really plan on encouraging the young people to join us in this mission for sure. And yeah, we we work with the seminary here in Detroit. We we, we go out to the local campuses and we you know we do a couple of 
couple hours training with the, the seminarians, and then we're going to head to state event too. And Mark, you asked the question earlier about the clergy. Yeah, we encourage you to, to get with your priests, your parish priests. Like I said, they're so busy, but maybe they'd be interested in getting out there with you too. And we actually have one team in Minnesota, um, led by Dad McManaman, uh, and she gets her different actually to go out there. I believe his name is Bishop Olmstead. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think Deb was involved with our training here at Aquinas uh, all those years ago, Bob. Oh, yeah, she's great. Yeah. So I'm thinking about just um, the geography of Dubuque, and it's a lot of rural. So do you need to be in a certain size city to do this kind of evangelization? Nope, you don't. The way I look at it is if you go and you have one meaningful conversation in the day well spent, you know, because every soul... It's priceless. You know, farmers markets are good. Uh, you can go door to door. We've had people go out uh, and get permission to evangelize outside of Walmart. So you just got to be creative sometimes. Hmm. I was go. wondering about a booth at the fair. Fairs are awesome. I highly recommend fairs because people are, are relaxed. You know, it's normally earlier just in the right day. It's right Mm-hmm. Right to Life has a booth out there, so it'd be That's nice a great to idea. Yeah, great idea. We need to, to get them. Team Aquinas out at the yeah. fair yeah. doing that. I hear Walmart. What you don't know about Mark Hager, Bob, is that uh, he's um, holds the record among Knights of Columbus. He's he has uh, grilled four hundred thousand bratwursts in the last twenty years. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and he often so. sets up outside Sam's Club. Yeah. I, I, I Which is to. an evangelization event unto itself. Could <laughs> uh, you imagine just being out there with Matt with medals and hot dogs? Boy, you wouldn't want to come to that place. Well, I've yeah. seen him there. Do you want mustard <laughs> and a rosary with that? Exactly. And lemon action? Yeah. Yeah. Do we got any uh, Sam's Clubs coming up? No. no they, nothing they, planned yet? They won't allow us up there anymore. No? It's just, yeah, it's kind of a sad deal, but... Well, yeah, we'll go some. Times, so, yeah. A lot of times they have these um, events. Mm-hmm. People are like, "Well, I got to spend fifty bucks and get a booth." Some of the best times you had evangelizing is figure out where these events are. You don't necessarily have to join the event. You can evangelize on the outskirts of it, where all these people are walking by. That's yeah. a great idea too. Well, like I said, that farmer's market that we did, that was that yeah, was we just gotta, absolutely incredible. We that can, was a, that was a on, great day. Get on yeah. that one again here. That's, yeah. that's a great event, the and, idea. In fact, the, why not take the and grill out, you know? Let's do some grilling down there and, and draw people in and, you mm-hmm. know, like you said, mustard and rosary? What do you think? Colleen, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you had another question? Um, well, I was just going to ask um, how someone might get involved if there wasn't a local chapter. Um, do they look for the closest local chapter? Do they? I know you said they can start on their own, but I'm just thinking if I was listening to this, I'd be like, ah, I'm not going to start on my own. Um, what would yeah. you tell someone who's who's afraid to just start on their own? Yeah, we just be like, well, you can you can always just evangelize in your regular day life. You know, you can buy some metal. Rosie from our store and just keep in your pocket and walk around and and when you know you wake up in the morning and say hey Lord if you want me to evangelize someone today put them in my path and then you don't have to you know you don't have to set out uh, a big uh, you know that's well that's a that's a good point actually you know. just to put some in your pocket and go and 
we used to, when there was trick-or-treating going on, we used to keep all of that stuff that you get in the mail, all the little medals and the prayer necklaces cards. and the prayer cards and the keychains. Yeah, and we'd know. put them on one tray and the other bowl had candy. And so we would tell the kids, you can have one piece of candy, pick which one, and one medal. And I can't tell you how many little kids would run down the stairs. Mom, I got a medal. Oh, wow. Yeah. And even in the summer, their parents would say, whenever we drive by your house, they say, that's the lady that gives us the medals. <laughs> that's awesome. So Halloween is, yeah. trick-or-treating is, reminding yeah. me of that when you said just put them in your pocket. Well, and the other thing, uh, and here's what I do. I, uh, in my council, I have uh, uh, Ziploc bags with a rosary, how to pray the mm-hmm. rosary, and a, and, a, and a prayer book in there. And when I see people standing on the street corner, I give them a $5 bill in that bag. And I said, God bless you. Read this. Pray it. Well, good. That'll That's, get them a half a gallon, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Hey, that's what you're doing, man. Careful and spiritual. I love it. Yeah. Great idea. Great I, idea. And I just kind of like how your approach, too, to people is, can you know, can I pray for something for you? You know, or giving them the medal, you know, uh, I think that's a nice approach. Yeah, it's, and that's, that's another way to proclaim the gospel. You can actually, like, impress upon them the story of Jesus through your prayer, you know, instead of just kind of, like, doing some instructional talk to them where they might tune out, you can kind of pray, and then within the prayer, present the charisma. That's, part of, that's a good way to do it as well. Right, and yeah. we can teach them the prayer that um, of St. Joseph, which is such a great prayer. I don't know if you guys know it. It goes like this. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Help me! In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I don't know if you know that one. Did you want to write it down? Yeah. You can write that one down. We'll, yeah. we'll have to get some cards printed up yeah. on that one. Yeah. yeah. You're listening to The Chatter. This is episode 47. Our guest is... Bob Wilson from St. Paul Street Evangelization. He's the director of evangelization over in in Detroit, and it sounds like he's going all over, including St. Louis here at the end of the year. Bob, uh, we didn't know if we'd have enough to fill the hour, and we're out of time. What do you say there? It's an hour left. How about you guys? Been very good. Give us your uh, social media. How do we get a, uh, a contact with uh, St. Paul Street Evangelization again? Yeah, streetevangelization.com is our website. We have a school. You can go to evangelizationschool.com. Or you can you know, give either one of those from streetevangelization.com. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Um, YouTube. We're everywhere. Just type in St. Paul Street Evangelization. Let's close God with bless you. Let's God close bless with a prayer, everybody, here. In the name of the Father, Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Glory, Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. We're wrapping up episode 47 of The Chatter on June 13th, Monday, June 13th, St. Anthony of Padua. I'm Colleen Pasnick. No, or? no, you're. I'm, I'm oh. not saying Anthony. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm lost right now. <laughs> Remember, pray for us. Oh, pray, pray for, for us. us. <laughs> and now you're. you're yeah. Oh, yeah. We're live from yeah. Dubuque. Yeah, Mark Hager signing off. <laughs> See you all next week. We love you.